0: There's a link in the show notes or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started.
1: I would say the bullet journal was life-changing to me because it just helped me see what was going on and what needed to be done, which was kind of the story of my life. (laughs) I wrote this down just so I could share it with you because what I've learned is that I needed to be content and grateful for the space and equipment and materials that I already had, and just appreciate those and use them to their fullest. And then I tried to acquire better things, but I didn't waste time coveting them.
0: Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them today's guest is Joan Parker. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing pencil, needle and thread attached, at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. These are held the first and third Friday of every month, and they're streamed live. So in real time, you get to watch me working on a project, usually edge-to-edge type quilting, and they're interactive. So you can actually ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. And the whole point of these is to kind of give you the 30,000 foot view of a whole quilt project from beginning to end. So it includes, you know, the loading of it, the basting of it, and the actual stitching design. And of course, you can ask questions. So that can be really helpful if you're a newer quilter. So once again, those are called Live and Unscripted and they're held the first and third Friday of every month on my YouTube channel. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by the Will and Dave show. Hi, I'm the Will half of the Will and Dave show. A short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Many quilt makers as soon as they complete a quilt top do a victory lap and you can interpret that as you know one big dance around your chair to celebrate that it's done but most of us are referring to a line of stitching around the perimeter of the quilt. If your piecing extends out to the edges and there are seams that extend out to those edges, they can sometimes come open or get loose, especially if you're going to hang it for a little while or if you're going to transport it maybe to a long-arm quilter. So running a simple basting edge of stitching about an eighth of an inch in from the edge will just hold all those seams Firmly in place. And because it's so near to the edge, you don't ever have to undo it. It will fall well within the binding of that quilt when it's finished. So that's the quilter's victory lap. You know, I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There, for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Today's guest is Joan Parker. Joan has been making many quilts for many years, all while raising and homeschooling eight children. Her story is one of great creativity, and her creations were often propelled by either financial need or the desire to serve and help others or just as a creative outlet. And honestly, she has a mother heart the size of her whole state. Plus, she's got some great tips for a bullet journal to corral your project to-do list, so you won't want to miss that.
1: Well, Joan, welcome into my studio. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I've been following you for a while, and I'm very excited about sharing how and what I've learned this is so great and you actually reached out
0: to me Joan and I really appreciated that because you've got a lot of stories to tell and that's kind of what this podcast is about is just sharing what our journeys have been like and Mm -hmm. um, crafting in general and quilting in particular can be really really meaningful to a lot of people so that's what we'd love to hear about so what kind of got you started has
1: this been a lifelong passion for you not a lifelong passion for quilting but my whole life I have been crafting since I'm really old so I can't remember that far back but for as long as I can remember I have been very interested in all kinds of crafts. I was very fortunate to have um, both of my grandmothers were very accomplished seamstresses in different venues. My maternal grandmother made wedding gowns and bridesmaids dresses and my paternal grandmother did a lot of other crafts like embroidery and crocheting and knitting but um, she's the one that taught me how to sew on her treadle sewing machine which I'm now very fortunate to have in my own home
0: I too have a treadle sewing machine and learned on one so so I get that Mm -hmm. feeling you know I don't know how many people do it anymore they're not that common actually in use anymore but for those of you who don't know a a treadle sewing machine doesn't have a motor it's got a foot pedal at the base of it and then it's got a, a leather um um band. What's the word I'm looking for, Joan? A belt. A belt. There we go. Thanks for that. (laughs) A leather belt that goes around the flywheel of the machine. So you have to turn the flywheel with your hand to get it started and moving forward because your pump can go either forwards or backwards, right? So you spin the flywheel, get it moving forward and start pedaling with your foot and guide the fabric with your left hand. So I always say it's very like, you know, patting your head and rubbing your stomach all at the same time. It's just like that. (laughs) (laughs) That it is. (laughs) But it's also very therapeutic, don't you find? Do you still sew on yours to this day?
1: It's very relaxing, if that's something, if that's what you're doing. It's very, very relaxing. It is. I actually just acquired the machine a couple years ago. I learned on that one, and then it was in my aunt's home, but she passed away, and her husband gave it to me. So I just got it back a couple years ago. But it's fun. So fun. They were both very influential, and um, not only them, but my father, who doesn't really do crafts, well, he, he does tie his own fishing flies, and he does woodwork. So this is a That's different crafting. type of craft, but, but he always gave me not so much verbally, but just by example that you can do anything you want to do and you can learn how to do anything else. If somebody else can do it, you can learn how to do it as well. And that has kind of spurred me from my childhood into, um, because not being braggadocious, because it's just a fact I've only taken one class in my entire life on quilting. And I was mistakenly, uh, I was led to believe it would be about piecing and quilting and the whole you know quilting process but it was only for hand quilting um, but i used that as much as i could and anyway just a, what i want people to understand is that they can they can learn anything they really are determined to learn by practice and by finding somebody who already knows what they're doing and learning from them
0: Yes. And honestly the doors are wide open these days because we have Yeah, we jokingly call it YouTube university, but the truth is that every skill you can find someone teaching it and further you can even find a teacher that's your style. Like that's the thing about classes. I'm I'm like you. I right. think I've taken two classes in my life. But you know, if you're not fortunate enough to find a teacher that communicates the way that you learn that can be difficult but with digital right. options out there you can find a teacher that sort of speaks your language if you're a visual learner way to go if you're an audible yes. learner you know so that is just that's a wealth of knowledge that is literally at the fingertips of anyone who wants to learn a craft
1: yeah I think a lot of people that I've spoken with personally have given up once they've taken a class because either the class was not the style let's use quilting for example they didn't like the quilt they made or they didn't like the teacher's sample for a quilt maybe it was just the colors and they didn't realize they would like the pattern and they could choose their own colors but a lot of people give up too quickly on that i think but back when i started i think i told you this in my biography i sent you that i bought i could only afford to get one quilting book and i bought a book from little quilts that make the miniature versions of the you know traditional patterns And I think I made every quilt in that book because (laughs) the things that have kind of guided my whole life and especially my crafting and my hobbies, and I did quilt for a business for a while, but the thing that has guided it is frugality of both time and money because we have eight children and I homeschooled them all. I was a registered nurse, I always say in a former life because I stopped working as a nurse when my sixth child was born. And I only worked when my husband could watch our children. He was a high school math teacher at the time. So, um, I was able to do that and it's just making every cent count, you know, stretching those dollars to take care of our family.
0: Honestly, that's a great, um, tradition too. I come from the same type of Mm -hmm. tradition, making do and finding a way with what you have. And I think really that sparks creativity because you mentioned earlier yes. that you know often people will go to a class or see a, see a quilt even on a packaged pattern or in a store and think mm-hmm. I've got to go buy that very thing but when you can't go buy right. that very thing then you start to think of other ways to make it
1: your own with what you've got and I think that can be really really creative. That's right. That's right. That was kind of my outlook and one of the things that I did in the past that involves quilting, but was also a money making venture for me was I started selling quilts on eBay. But you know, this is before I had a long arm machine. And it took so long to piece and quilt and bind and label a quilt. And so one of the ladies that had bought a quilt from me actually said, Why don't you just sell the quilt top because I'd like to quilt it myself. And she didn't have the hand dexterity to piece, Mm -hmm. but she did like to hand quilt. So I made a top and sold it to her, and I thought, well, that was a lot faster, you know, Mm -hmm. because (laughs) I said I was quilting on my domestic machine, and it was awkward and back-breaking for me, you know, and you can't do as much because of the small arm on your machine, and um, so I started eventually selling quilt kits on eBay. I would just get a new pattern, and I would send not the pieces that were cut out, but just if it called for a yard of cream, I would include a yard of cream or whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that just really took off, but I think that helped people who were most of the people who initially were buying from me were saying, I can never get all the right colors together. Right. You know, I just don't have an eye for the color. So that, that became a kind of a niche for a couple of years. I quite like that. And it's it's almost easy. So many
0: choices are available to us now. I think of kits. I think of pre-cuts, you know, jelly rolls and, and charm packs and mm-hmm. things like that. It's not that many years ago that those weren't available. You didn't have that right. kind of shortcut available and what a treasure they are. So I think you were kind of on the cutting edge of that um, becoming common in the quilting world.
1: I really was. It was, we were in a situation where I don't want to be offensive or whatever to my husband, but his company had been restarted and they lost all the business they had kind of in the queue. So they had no income for 90 days and we had eight children and I wasn't working outside of our home at that point that's when I started selling quilts on eBay because I'd already started making quilts at that point. And um, it's just, I feel like God really led us through that time period mm-hmm. with finding out, and I don't mean this to sound greedy because like I said, we're so frugal that, you know, $100 is like a lot to us <laughs> you know, in a sense, but um, just trying out, trying to find a way of how to make money faster by using the skills that I had. And so the lady that had bought the quilt tops from me she said, I just love the colors you put together. If I send you a pattern, would you buy the fabric for me? And I'll pay you 30% more than what the fabric costs. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I've already go to the fabric store a right. couple times a week. And we lived um, very close at that time to Mary Jo's Cloth World in Gastonia, North Carolina, which was the biggest fabric store in the Southeast. I mean, there were tour buses there every time I went, two or three tour buses of quilters coming to pick out their fabric. So I said, well, why not do that? And so I did. And I sent her a scan of the fabrics. And she said, those look perfect. So she started making her quilt top. And by this time, we had been emailing back and forth so much that we were actually friends. (laughs) This is before cell phones. Side benefit. She said, (laughs) exactly. So she said, well, the oddest thing was, when I went to make my quilt top, I realized I actually had two copies of the pattern. So I'm mailing you one back. So maybe you can sell a kit and I, I'm thinking who would buy a kit because picking out your own fabrics is one of the the joys of quilting. Right. And so I did. And that was the beginning of selling like over 4,000 quilt kits on eBay over the next couple of years. I and, love that. Uh, and, and Joan, Well, for one
0: thing, win-win, because you get to go shopping over and over and over and over. (laughs) But secondly, I want to say that is not greedy. That is recognizing what your strength is. Your strength is the ability mm -hmm. to choose, to coordinate, to build a pleasing palette. And not everybody has that strength. Likewise, you love piecing and other people like quilting. So that's just using your gifts, if you will, and letting others use theirs.
1: Good for you. Good for you. Well, it turned out to be such an interesting endeavor because my sister and her husband and my parents opened a store that resold Amish-made furniture. Now, they're not Amish, but they were reselling furniture made by the Amish. Uh, My father had been hunting on Amish property for years and years. They'd asked him to, because they had cornfields and there was raccoons that would get in them all the time, and they asked my dad, who's English, to hunt on their property. So he already had all these connections, and so they opened a store that resold Amish furniture and my sister was going to sell fabric in the store as well because they live out in the country and she thought that would be a neat thing. So she called Moda and they told her how to get a wholesale account. And then about a year later, she was telling me, I'm thinking, why, how are you buying all this fabric by the bolt? You know, it's so expensive. And she said, Oh no, I'm getting the wholesale price. And so I started doing that as well. And so I had like a fabric store in my house. I didn't have to go to the fabric store to get fabric anymore. And, um, That was just, it was so interesting because, like I said, I had eight young children who were born in 11 years, so they were all really close together, and although I wasn't working as a nurse at that time, every night, as soon as all the kids were in bed, I would package up all the auctions it had finished to take to the post office the next morning. And then I start cutting new kids to list those that night. So every night it was like I'd look, you know, down the hall as soon as every light was out and I didn't hear anything. I'd be buzzing right out to my uh, to den was where I kept all my fabric. And it was just a very, very busy time.
0: <laughs> oh, good for you. I can just picture it. Did there come a time mm-hmm. when the kids grew up and started getting involved in in that project? How did that kind think, of flow? I
1: think all of my children, one way or another, have been involved in quilting. I'm thinking through them by age. But one of my daughters, um, actually, I forget how it came about because my, I mostly quilt now, but I do all the other crafts as well that I've always done. But quilting takes up the bulk of my time. One of my daughters, my second daughter, um, just had a really good knack for piecing. And we had people who who found out about me through eBay or had bought a kit. And they said, Well, I have this kit, that, but I don't have the skills to piece it. Could, would you piece it for me? So they would mail me the kit they bought somewhere else, and my daughter would actually do the piecing. The only thing she didn't do was applique. She was 10, honestly. <laughs> and I would pay her $100 a quilt to, quilt, to piece them for my customers. Mm-hmm. And she ended up buying a car when she turned 16 with all the money she had saved from her quilting for me, or her piecing for me. That's um, and others have helped in different ways. And it's just helped them to see that. I think it's helped my children, several of them have alluded to, I remember you doing this when we were growing up to make money. I remember you doing this. And there, um, several of them have actually started their own businesses. And it's just been, they were homeschooled. So they're always seeing what I was doing. And I just found that to be a very energy filled time. (laughs) No doubt.
0: No doubt. So I was, you you did send me an email before we met today telling me some of your stories. So I've got a whole wealth to choose from here. Um, But one that I found interesting was, well, I would just like to hear more of the things that you do that are community-minded that are not necessarily about quilting. So you mentioned involvement in your Hmm. church. You mentioned a lot of game nights that you host. Right. What does that look like? Are those um, creative outlets for you as well, but separate from your business?
1: They are, because I think I'd read this about you, in fact, that I love to just do something other than quilting, but I always seem to have the focus of ministering to other people. Mm-hmm. I love to cook for people and have them to our home. Um, just as an example, this past son- this past Monday night, we had three single young men that we know from different avenues to our home who are in their early twenties. They're all living on their own, but um, they love coming over for a home cooked meal. And the one-, one of them who is actually my youngest son's very good friend, ha- asked if he could come over early and cook with me. Because he's about to move out on his own, and his family, except for him, have moved to the to the Midwest, and he we live in North Carolina, and he's been in our home so many times with my son, who just recently got married, uh, that he just felt comfortable to say, "Hey, I'm, I have every Monday off. Can I come over? You know, can I learn how to cook?" And so we reach out. We have our church is a place where we probably spend most of our extra energy and time because there's a lot of ministries there. My husband and I. Taught Sunday, teach Sunday school. We also pick up kids on Wednesday nights to bring them for the children's ministries on Wednesday nights. We're in the choir. You know, we do all those things. And I have I have always just thought it was really important to give a person who is alone a sense of family. Mm-hmm. And we do have a, a college near our church where we have quite a few young single people who come, and most of them are far from home. We had the opportunity just this past Christmas to have a young man who's actually from Ireland who's here to study. I told him when we had him over the first time for supper, I said, you know, we have extra rooms here. If you ever need a place to stay or there's a school break and you don't have a place to go, you're welcome to come and stay with us. And I thought, well, he's not even going to consider that. But when Christmas came, his flight had been mistakenly scheduled for several days after the dorms closed. Mm -hmm. And so he said, "Is that still an offer. And we just got to know him so well. And I just feel like we can minister to him better now for having gotten to know him. And that's our goal is not just having people over, but getting to know them. So we know like where they are in life, not in a nosy, very specific way, but just a general, if they're changing jobs, what does that mean to them? Or if, they're, if this person, you know, has a need, how is that affecting the rest of their family? You know, that type of thing. And that's just a big part of our lives. But I we, do give a lot of those people quilts and that type of thing, so it's. I know, bet you do. It all do. comes back to quilting. <laughs> I bet you do.
0: I mean, we we sometimes overuse the word community, but it does describe. What you've just said is such a description mm. of community. It's one helping another, and that goes that goes around. I, I'm just thinking, you know, in future years, maybe you'll get to travel the world, and who knows, maybe you'll get to stay <laughs> in this young man's home in Ireland, or he'll give you, you know, a personal mm. walking tour. Who knows, <laughs> right? Where that influence will have reached, and what yes. a treasure to have touched people around the world. So great.
1: Well, his mother, his mother actually, his parents are missionaries in Ireland, but his mother contacted me through Facebook. And just told me, she said, I can't even tell you what a blessing it is to me to know that he's got a second mom there that will help take care of him if he has a need. And actually, he's about to start taking driver's ed, and I'm going to be taking him to the DMV every day. So that was something she said, I just, that just gives me such peace to know that you're there. And we don't even know each other, you know, but we do now (laughs) through her son.
0: That's awesome. The world has just become such a small place, hasn't it? I just love that. It has. So what are some of your recent finishes? Joan what have you what kind of quilts well, have you made lately um, besides the I one for the young man mine. from Ireland
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> actually he just doesn't have a quilt yet but he probably will um, i had a really interesting experience we have a midweek church service so last wednesday which i guess would have been the 19th a young lady asked me how long does it take you to make a quilt? And I could tell just by the way she was looking at me that she just wasn't past, you know, making conversations. She really had a goal in mind. And her husband is a very good friend of my husband's and they're young. He, his birthday was yesterday. And she said, I want to get, or I asked my husband what he wanted for a birthday gift. And he said, the only thing I really would ever want to have is one of Mrs. Parker's quilts. And she was like, well, good luck with that. You know, that's, <laughs> that's something you asked for but i had been piecing a quilt top i just had it's the one i did your oakish leaves on as the quilting pattern okay it's mostly a like a hunter green and has strips of men's shirts like just sliced and put in a real long strip from top to bottom of the bed of men's shirts like between one and three inches wide well she said the thing is he only likes dark green and he, he likes your shirt quilts and i'm thinking I have Perfect. a top piece at my house right now, you know, like, that. <laughs> and I made it for our guest room to match the carpet or bring out the green in the carpet. But after I pieced it, I thought, that's not really the right shade of green. So now what am I going to do with this quilt top? Well, when she asked me about it last Wednesday, I said, you know, this is very coincidental and it probably will never happen again. But I happen to have the exact quilt top that he wants laying on my quilt frame right now so I ended up quilting it for him and then she invited us over for lunch yesterday for his birthday without him knowing and he was just so surprised and he said I just can't believe that you actually made me a quilt and I'm thinking well it's for you but I didn't exactly make it for you (laughs) so that was just a very interesting happenstance and I was watching you do one of your live and unscripted, which I just love. And thanks to Dave, I'm sure he's participating in this as well, but I was watching you do the Oakish Leaves and I just thought I have got to learn how to do that. So I'm just a self-learner, self-taught. I just sketched it out a couple of times and then just went to town and used that. It was so good for a man's quilt, but that's my most recent finish. But I always have, I have a bullet journal. Um, I know you can see what I'm doing here, but I have a bullet journal. I'm gonna show you a page that this has changed my life. My sister mentioned this to me last, the beginning of last year, and I don't know if you can see this, but I had like a, across the top, it has you know, the recipient piece batted, or backing, quilting, and all that. And I just fill in with colored pencils. I go across like a bar progress thing. Um, and it helps me keep track because I do quilt for customers. I don't really seek the business, but it comes to me through word of mouth or somebody that, you know, does piece. A friend will say who quilted that for you and then I'll get a quilt top from them eventually. Um, And that helps me. My bullet journal helps me keep everything in the queue. Like somebody brought me a quilt yesterday, a quilt top. So I'll just jot them down there. The next person, when I get to doing that, you know, so that, that way it helps me keep things more organized.
0: Basically, you've got columns for all the processes in making the quilt, right? And and then right. each the quilt, and, and and for those who obviously can't see it, it's just lined paper, just a lined paper notebook. And so then down yeah. the page, you put record the different quilts, and then as you complete exactly. the processes, they get ticked in their little colored pencil, so you can see the progress it, of exactly. each quilt. Love that. Love that. Right.
1: Well, this is called a bullet journal. It has just little dots on the page, like every quarter inch, there's no lines. You write, you put your own lines in, you actually okay. develop your own pages. Um, but what's neat about it is I do a lot of antique quilts or vintage quilt tops that I find at different, all different places. And there's actually a repaired column on there. So obviously, if I'm making a quilt, I'm not repairing it. So that's already checked off, which is a nice feeling. And right. then if I'm just machine quilting, it keeps my customers straight about who brought which one at what time and all that. So that helps exactly. out. Exactly.
0: Exactly. It's really so important can, to keep that organized. And I bet it really helps right. just in terms of knowing what your works in progress are and what things you've made.
1: Exactly. Um, exactly. How- That's when you said, what's the th- last thing you've made? I said, oh, right here. I just finished this green, <laughs> you know, racer stripe thing yesterday. Yeah. And it Perfect. helps because at the end of every day, I do sew a little bit every day on my sewing machine. And that just helps me really relax. And it gives me some you know sense of accomplishment so at the end of the day i will jot down what i sewed on that day or what i quilted that day and part of the reason i started keeping this is because for example i made my son-in-law before he was my son-in-law i made him a quilt because he was one of our adopted college students and my daughter after they got married asked me if i'd make some pillow shams to match the quilt and i couldn't remember what quilting pattern i had used what thread color i had used so I was at her house and I took pictures, but I was thinking I should really write this down because some people will say, I love the quilting you did on my quilt. And I'm thinking, what did I do? Right. Because there's just so many. You know, I think last year I, I quilted over 50 quilts and most 35 of those were my own that I either sold or gifted. But I just can't remember because of the variety of colors and patterns. Of so course. That's been very, very helpful.
0: Of course. Yes, I can see that. And what, I hope that you're keeping these journals because what a treasure. I mean, that is just a very special and you diary, really, Mm -hmm. of your quilting journey. Love it. I
1: I actually just started it in in January of 2021. So I was going to start a new one, but I thought, well, I don't want to get rid of the old one. So I had it spiral bound at an office supply place because it was just a, you know, paper backing and anyway, so that makes it more adorable. And I'll just keep going forward with it. Cause it's, it's very interesting to me. And I moved forward all my UFOs, which weren't that many, but, you know, started a whole new list of how I do this. I, I number the, the projects. Okay, when I start first started it, I had over 45 UFOs, all in various stages of completion. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were just seasonal things like pillows or small wall hangings. It just needed a binding, but it wasn't close enough to that holiday to actually finish it so they were just there you know but i'm happy to say that i only had to move 10 forward from last year and i started legion you know last year so i'm very happy that i started off with a very short list but it helps me to really focus when i just have a little bit of time to work on something
0: i I love that easily
1: see what's a quick finish
0: I feel like, you know, business coaches are always telling us you've got to write down your goals because that's how you get them accomplished. Clearly that Mm -hmm. works for quilts as well. Write them down, know where you're at, they're in the forefront of your mind then. And sometimes you just see how little it takes to get to the finish line, right? And then it's done.
1: Really, that's, that's exactly what it worked out for me. And I love using it. It was easy to tally up at the end of the year, how many people I quilted for, how many projects I did, you know, all that type of thing made it really simplified my quilting time so much.
0: I love that. Love it.
1: Okay. Well, I was going to ask you in closing what your little
0: gem is, and maybe it's the the bullet journal, but maybe you have another one. Is there some little kind of gem of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners before we go?
1: Well, again, I would say the bullet journal was life-changing to me because it just helped me see what was going on and what needed to be done, which was kind of the story of my life. (laughs) Um, I wrote this down just so I could share it with you because I knew you were going to ask me for it. As I look back over how my quilting journey progressed with very little time and money at the beginning. And then there's a desire to quilt my own quilts. In the process, I went through from doing them on my small domestic machine, and then I bought a domestic machine with a larger arm. And then I bought, I think, the John Flynn system next, which did not work for me. And then I bought a Gracie frame, which they said, oh, you can use your domestic machine, but if the arm is this big, you know, you can't really roll much of a quilt up if in there. If you have a tiny so short kind of throat progressed. space.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: yes, yes, Yeah. so here's my here's my little gem. Um, what I've learned is that I needed to be content and grateful for the space and equipment and materials that I already had and just appreciate those and use them to their fullest. And then I tried to acquire better things, but I didn't waste time coveting them, if you know what I mean. Like, it would be I nice did. to have a long-arm machine, but in the meantime, I don't have the money or space for that, so I have to use what I have and so my, my gem, I guess, is to do what you can with what you have right now. And mm-hmm. when you know better, do better. Beautiful. So as you accumulate different, different mentors or different books or whatever, utilize those, but just, keep, just enjoy what you're doing. I just love every aspect of quilting. I'm very passionate about it. And I just want to encourage other people that you can reach any skill level you want with enough practice and determination and just know how.
0: I can see your pleasure in this process in your face, and I think we can all hear it in your voice. So thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate that.
1: I appreciate what you and Dave do. And I've learned just from hearing you talk through your thinking process, because as you say in your unscripted, I've never taken a a long arm class. I was already doing them on my domestic machine, which made it easier to transfer over the designs and practice. You know, it's different. Instead of pushing your material around, you're pushing the machine around. But mm-hmm. it kind of easily flowed over for me. So I already had kind of a leg up for learning that. But there's just so many aspects of long arm quilting that just in the past few months I followed you. I was like, well, I do that. But now I can see why it's a good reason. Because she does it too. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate
0: it. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Listeners and quilting friends, thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, do consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can enjoy these stories too. Plus, I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, email me at info at com, And don't forget to CC the nominee as well. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.